Hi, you're now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. We're happy to bring you sermons like this one every week. You can find other sermons at our site at harvest-community.org. So without further ado, here's our speaker. One of our our joys at Harvest is that God has sent us a number of young emerging leaders who he is preparing for a life in ministry. And it's been our privilege to walk with them, to help shape them. And one of the things we love to do is give them an opportunity to take the pulpit. God has poured his spirit and his word into them. And we love to hear from these emerging leaders. Christian is a freshly minted graduate of the Moody Bible Institute. He has been with us for a long time, and soon he is going to leave the nest. And so we won't have so much longer to hear from our brother Christian. God is going to bring his word through this servant today. So let's pray momentarily before he comes up. God, we believe you have something to say to us, and we believe that we have a need to hear what you have to say. We confess, Lord, that other voices are so loud in our lives Now we pray that your voice would become very loud, that you would speak to us and cause us to hear you. Fill Christian with your Holy Spirit. Help him preach with power and with confidence and lend that same power to us so that we could receive your word with joy and with an obedient heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's invite Christian up. I stand up here only because I know how much audio guys hate feedback right there, so. (laughs) Sorry for that awkward silence. You know, uh, just to share a few things off cuff, you know, off the notes, uh, I, I just feel like there's something special today. I, I just feel like uh, God's really with us, that, that he's moving here. Um, so with that, um, yeah, in, in the unmanly romantic comedy category, I have a favorite. And uh, that is Groundhog Day. I love that movie. (laughs) Don't ask me about any other movies in this category because from this puppet, I will say to you that I have none. (laughs) But on the side, you could could talk to me later. Um, If you're familiar with this story, it's about this guy named Phil Connors uh, who discovers that his efforts are worthless to advance to the next day. He does everything to try to snap out of it. He, he even tries things that are pretty morbid. No matter what he does, he would wake up at the same time to the same song, to, to the same DJs, and, and to the same blizzard that would happen outside. And this happened every single day. 
he'd bump into the same people at the exact same time. He would know exactly what they would say. He knew everything about February 2nd, Groundhog Day. Once he discovered that nothing would change, he started to perfect himself, and he started to, to perfect others. He saved people's lives because he knew of that kid who would fall from the tree. He, he changed tires from distressed old women. He saved marriages. He, he was called a doctor. He took piano lessons until he perfected this instrument. He did this because he knew every day would be the same. Nothing surprised him anymore. What was once unknown to him became known. <laughs> he avoided to, to step into icy puddles. He, he knew how to get those annoying people off his back. <laughs> he knew that, that nothing would, would kill him. He, he kind of knew that he was invincible. He almost felt at one point in the scenes like, I think I'm God. <laughs> at, the end of the, at the end of the movie, Phil Connors had no fear about February 2nd. Wouldn't that be an awesome thing? Wouldn't it be nice to be able to perfect everything around you and not lose any time? not lose even a day, just to, to look forward in, in time and, and remove any doubt or any fear of disappointment, of, of embarrassment or, or shame, wouldn't it be nice to have that? Wouldn't it be nice to remove fear? A lot of, a lot of us wish that that we would know everything that took place. We fear failure. We fear hurt. We fear disappointment. We fear rejection. We fear the unknown. I argue that there's this direct connection between this movie and our faith as Christians because this this eliminates that, that fear that we have so deep ingrained in our hearts. The fear of what the next day will bring, or even the next hour. We don't know. It would be great if we could just get access to God's tape and fast forward through our lives and go, okay, that's going to happen. I'm going to avoid that right there. But, But God doesn't work like that, does he? Wouldn't it be great to know that when God calls us to take that step of faith, that something will happen, that's good. The good news is that God has given us this history, this great history of each other right here, the the history of the Word of God. He gives us this history of of people who have walked similar steps as you. Not not your own life, but similar steps and, and he, he's shown successes and failures, but, but he's shown things around us to give us this confidence and faith. But guess what? We still fear. We, we still fear the future. We still fear the unknown. This fear is very real. I don't want to minimize this at all. 
there's this big fear, and, and what do we do with this? When I look at you, Harvest, when, when I was praying for you, I can sense that, that God has blessed many of your lives. He's blessed many of our lives. God has brought you through some life-defining moments. In fact, I, I would, I'm pretty confident to say that a lot of you aren't a life-defining moment right now. A, a choice that you'll have to make that might change your life forever. What are these life-defining moments? Many of us are going through transitions right now. A job might take us to a strange new place where we're so unfamiliar with people. Some graduated either, either high school or college and, and, and you feel like you could change the world. Over the past few years, some of us are impacted by the loss of a loved one. It brings fear. Some are dealing with cancer or, or some other disease. This fear is real. Some are sitting right next to the person you married years ago, yet you feel like you're a million miles apart and you don't know what's going to happen. That fear is real. With many of these things, it's difficult to see the next week, the next month, the next year, or, or even the next day, or, or the next hour, because cause you're, just, you're just frozen in this fear. We fear what the future will hold. As believers in Jesus Christ, how can we overcome these fears? How can we take steps of confidence into the unknown? This black void called fear. If you're here for the first time, Harvest has been going through a series called Big Faith, and and I have this great privilege of of taking you uh, through today's passage. I want to remind you that that faith that we speak of is not absence of proof, but the presence of all the proof that God has shown in the Word and each other's lives. And with that, we, we take that forward step of faith in our lives. And we trust in God. We trust that He will take care of us. We trust Him. So let's turn to... Uh, Hebrews chapter 11, uh, and we're going to look at verses 23 through 29. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who was invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch him. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. Why is this issue of faith 
right here in chapter 11. Well, why is it here? If, if you were to, to read the whole book of Hebrews, you would know that the author of Hebrews, he had in his mind one focus, Christ. That, that, that was, if I could sum up the, the whole thing, it's like a, the Sunday school class where uh, the teacher would ask, uh, what has a tail, uh, what eats nuts, and what goes up trees, and everyone would say, Jesus. <laughs> so we could look at this this. Uh, this book, we could look at this letter and, and see that it is the magnification of Christ. See, at the time, the audience made this transition from, from their deep-rooted faith of Judaism to, to Christianity, knowing that Christ has saved them. They made a transition from the Messiah has not come yet to the Messiah has come as a servant in Jesus Christ to forgive us from our sins. This was a big shift for them. They made the transition from believing and practicing the old covenant, which, which uh, required sacrifice, to, to believing in this new covenant where the work was already done in Jesus Christ. There was this temptation to go back to what was comfortable, to, to what they knew, what they knew of the old covenant, what they knew of the, the history that was given to them. Because Jesus and, and this faith and this new covenant was so new back then. But Hebrew, the, the author of Hebrews, wanted to magnify, magnify Christ, saying, do not stray. Do not fall into temptation to go back the way it was. You know, in uh, Hebrews 2.1, it says, Therefore we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. And the author says, Jesus. Jesus is the one to be trusted. He was the one who's higher than all the angels. He's the one who who secured all priestly authority. He's the one who fulfilled the new covenant. The old way, you don't have to worry about that anymore. Because the new covenant says that you are forgiven. That Jesus Christ has shed the blood for you. That you could walk in this new way. and, And go forward with this confidence that yes, I am forgiven. This is the battle that the author was going through. Jesus is greater. Period. Christ was worthy. He was the greatest of priests. He was the greatest of representatives for them. And then we looked at a he, he brought a lot of Old Testament heroes. He, he, he looks back at the Old Testament a lot. But he used this Old Testament because this is what the readers knew. They knew the Old Testament. So he wanted to make that translation that, guys, this, this is preaching about something ahead, and, and that ahead is now. That future that, that you're reading about, that's now. This is Jesus Christ that we're talking about. So, so there's just... This, this lovely thing that's, happened, that's unfolding before us. This was a view of the author. This, he saw the whole Old Testament on the view of Christ. Christ was at work from the very beginning. So where does this fit in this series of big faith? What is the big aha moment that the author is trying to tell us about? The faith of Moses, as we just read. How can we face our fears? 
How can we take forward steps of confidence into the unknown? We can face our fears by faith. As simple as that. Or in other words, we can take forward steps of confidence into the unknown by seeing Jesus Christ as real, worthy, and faithful. You're going back a little bit, looking at the life of Moses. Who is Moses before the reputation of, of a great leader? I would say that his life was characterized by doubt and a lot of fear. One, one particular moment, um, God told Moses, you will be my spokesperson to deliver Israel. He's like, oh, no, no, no. no. Not me, not me, not me. You will be my spokesperson to deliver Israel. And, and God said, go. Moses said, no. He said, no, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. If I were to write this, I would say, I can't talk good. I am not the man for this. God said no. Or God said go and Moses said no again. He showed him all these miracles. Take the staff, it'll it'll turn to a snake. Pick it back up, it'll be a staff again. Stick your hand in your pocket, you'll have leprosy. Stick it back in and it'll be healed. He did all these great things. I'd be like, hey, hey, I'll go for you. (laughs) But he still said, no, I I can't do it. I believe that fear took hold of him. But as we know, something happened. Because Moses is known as as one of the great leaders. He's known as a man of great wisdom. He led Israel out of Egypt. He's the one who led them across the Red Sea on dry land. He's the one who led them through the desert and into the promised land. He did this all by his faith in God. He was able to overcome his fear with this faith. How can we face fear that, that, that might be similar? How can we take forward steps of confidence into the unknown? Let's go right into it. Uh, point number one. We can f- face fear with faith by seeing Christ as real through the faith of others. We can see Christ as real through the face, faith of others. Let's look at uh, verse 23 again. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. What was the king's edict? What was so scary? There was a new pharaoh in town who didn't know anything about the nation of Israel around the time that Moses was born. He saw that the Israelites were multiplying and they're growing and growing and growing and he felt threatened as as a nation of Egypt. He said, they are going to overtake us. And then instead of befriending them or, or, or just working with them, he said, you know what? I'm the king. Let's kill every newborn boy. Let's just wipe them out. But it took the faith of the mother. said, I will not fear this edict and I will hide my boy because I believe that there's something greater. Moses wouldn't exist if it weren't for the faith of the mother. We're not alone in this. We, we can look to others for strength. There's so many people in our lives that took a part in your faith. 
You can believe that or not, but I believe that somebody was there with you. We live out a collective faith. That's the beauty of this faith. There's strength in numbers, isn't there? We can see Christ as real through the faith of others. You know, Connection Sundays are, are great. We, we get to find out that, uh, that each one of our stories is so unique. Those times when the tables are all, all grouped together and then we have these icebreaker questions and we go around telling stories of each other. And, and if you're new here, I, I hope that you could experience one of these things. This is where all the you know, tables and we're all just surrounded and it looks like, are, are we eating before service? Or, you know, it's, it's just a great thing to happen. And, and hopefully that, that the, these connections will develop into something more. I met some of you guys for the first time you came here in Harvest on Connection Sunday. And, and by God's grace, after meeting me, you're still here. <laughs> and, and we know that, that these relationships that are built, we hope that it develops in something else. And if it develops into something more, we can see Jesus through them. We can see Jesus worked out in the lives of your peers, of, of your fellow family here. I'm pretty sure that we all share that same similarity. Others took part in our faith. I, uh, I will be the first to say that I have not come to this day standing here giving you the word of God on my own. When my parents named me Christian, my life was ruined. <laughs> I had no choice. My future was already laid out for me. It was done. <laughs> but it wasn't only my parents that had this faith. My grandfather and mother's side, he, he was a missionary. So he, he, took, he took part in this faith that I now live. These are impactful moments in my history. What, what does your history look like? I have the great joy going to, to Moody Seminary, to be at Harvest, to, to watch other leaders develop as leaders and, and watch their faith unfold before them. And I could take confidence in that because I, I feel so blessed that I could call Pastor Dave, Pastor Frank, Pastor Jared, my brothers. That these leaders in faith are just such an impact to me. We need to be on this faith journey together, guys. Do not be alone. Attach on to somebody. Befriend one another. This, this faith that we live, this Christian faith, is stronger in numbers. It's stronger when we talk with one another. It's stronger when we share our lives. It's stronger when we share our stories. And we uplift one another. If you're at a place right now where, where you feel like your fear is just overtaking you, Pastor Dave, Pastor Frank, Pastor Jared, any one of the leaders here would be glad to walk with you. So, so come up and, and ask one of us, how, how can I be more connected here? Because this is church.
Let's look at our, our next point. We can face fear with faith by seeing Christ as worthy to value future eternal treasures over temporary earthly ones. We can face fear with faith by seeing Christ as worthy to value future eternal treasures over temporary earthly ones. Let's look at the the next passage, next section. By faith, Moses, when he was growing up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Again, the author of, of, the, of Hebrews referenced the Old Testament a lot. He quoted the Old Testament about 35 times, like about 15 or 13 from, from the first five books of the Bible. So he held this because these people knew the first five books, and he wanted to speak their language. Makes sense, right? He referenced Moses, Abraham, the high priest, Melchizedek, and others. He spent a lot of time there. He wanted the readers to see the Old Testament in the new light. He wanted them to see the great word of God in the view of Jesus Christ. He made this connection while he was writing this letter. As he reflected on the person of Jesus Christ, he saw Jesus in the Old Testament. All the great heroes of faith that we're just covering throughout this whole whole series were pointing towards Jesus Christ. I actually think that, that this passage right here is the climax of this chapter. This is where the author bridges a connection between the heroes of faith, what we've been learning this whole time, to our Savior, Jesus Christ. This is the only place he mentions Jesus Christ in this whole faith journey. Well, let me try to explain something to you. This is, this is kind of like the, the battle I was going, going on in my own head. Um, I don't think Moses knew Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. <gasps> but, but I didn't think he knew of the person himself, Jesus Christ. But what he did know was the blessings of Abraham. What he did know was the covenant of land, seed, and blessing. These things he knew as he was walking. He knew that there was something big. He knew that that the God of Israel would keep his promises of the new covenant, or the old covenant. He knew that there was something ahead. He knew that the life that they were in at that time, living in slavery was not going to be the way that God was going to carry Israel. There was no blessing in that, to be slaves. And I think he saw beyond that. And the author of Hebrews made that connection. That's why he says, he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasure of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. There's something greater. our identity with Christ and his reproach, the suffering that he went through is far greater than anything. That's why he didn't identify himself with Pharaoh's daughter. 
He is worthy of everything we have, everything that we own, and every one of the difficult circumstances we're in right now. He is worthy of all of that. He is worthy to to give our lives to him. I just want to read a a passage early on in Hebrews, uh, verse uh, chapter 10, 19 through 25. And, and this is like one of those passages that you just feel like your heart just welling up like with, with joy. Verse 19, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and so, since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from all from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that great? Doesn't that bring you so much comfort? God has prepared this for us. That we could approach the throne of grace. We don't have to depend on another person, a priest, to come into the the throne room of grace. We could approach God one on one. Wow. It's amazing. Christ suffered for us to pay the way. He opened the way to God. He demonstrated this on the cross. Our faith is secured in Jesus Christ. Know that your current circumstances are not worth throwing away Jesus Christ or what he's done for us on the cross. We must look past our current circumstances, no matter the difficulties or temptations to throw away our integrity, our faith, or our God. Look forward to our permanent treasures in heaven. Christ so worth it. He's so worthy. You know, the past 12 months have been the most difficult months of my life. I was working on, on my final classes, my final papers, and, and I was writing them down, and then I, I got a call um, that my father was diagnosed with, with cancer. And in late June of last year, and he, and he passed away in September. So it was pretty quick. My dad, he's gone. And I will be the first one to tell you with great joy that my dad was awesome. He never withheld affection from me. He was always so proud of me. I even got to finish my last paper in, in the recovery room with him. When I hit send on the, on the email, I'm like, Dad, I finished. He's like, I'm proud of you, son. Congratulations. <laughs> that was just like an awesome moment in my life. When I was with him, it, it really didn't matter what other, what other people thought about me because I, I knew my dad thought I was pretty awesome. I was special to him. His opinion counted. 
I was pretty important to him. I was Mr. Park's son. Do you see where I'm going with this? That was my temporary earthly value. I was reminded every day that that's not my identity. How great it was, how much it meant to me, that was not my identity. But my identity is in Christ. Christ thinks of me so much more. He loves me so much more than any earthly father can. He died for me. And he loves me. Church, what's, what's identifying you? What are the earthly things that you're holding on to? Perhaps you don't have that great relationship with your parents or someone around you. And you're holding on to this anger and, and bitterness because it's easier. And you're just letting that well inside. It's not worth it's not worth it. Let it go. Remember Christ is your identity. Maybe you're struggling the same way I did and and the person that you identified with is gone. Perhaps it's a, a job that you just lost and and you feel like you just lost yourself because that's all you know how to do. Maybe your your career isn't as you had planned. And just fearing the future is just so big in your life right now. Identify that struggle. Identify that fear. Fight against being identified by these things. But remember Christ. He is worthy. He's worthy of everything. He can be trusted. He is something so much better for you. He will walk with you through your fear. We can face fear with faith by seeing Christ as faithful when we take steps into the unknown. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. Faith requires action. These, these verses require deliberate actions from Moses. He had to take action. He had to keep the Passover, or, or else what? The firstborn would be no more. <laughs> he had to put the, the blood on the doorpost so that that the Lord would would rescue them and go over. The Passover was this. It was to remember that moment. And he kept it. Moses had to take a step of faith. Crossing the Red Sea by faith. Even as we see this big wall of water on the, the right and the left, Maybe for me, the first like 10 feet, I'd be like, whoa, 
whoa, this is pretty cool. But after maybe a few hours, I'm like, is this wall of water going to hold? After a couple more hours, I'm like, uh, it's still pretty long to go through this. But they trusted. They trusted that, that God would sustain them. And he led them across that. Faith was involved. As God was faithful to Moses and the whole nation of Israel, Christ is faithful to us. God might be telling you to do something in your life right now, but you're hesitant because you can't see what's ahead of you. Look at the faithfulness of Christ and, and move forward with confidence. Continue to seek God by keeping your spiritual promises. What are the Passovers in your life? Enter into a deeper relationship with God. Do not be passes, passive about your relationship with Him. I am not, what I am not saying is that we need to work to increase God's favor towards us. No, I'm not saying that. This is a lie. And if you believe this, I I will say that this is something that's close. We don't say it a lot, but I would say that's pretty demonic to believe that you have to work towards this faith. It destroys grace to just keep working because you need to earn something. There's nothing that we can do to win God's favor. Jesus has already paid the price for us. However, relationships don't just happen. There needs to be action. There needs to be communication. The stronger the communication, guess what? The stronger the relationship. The stronger the relationship, the stronger the trust in God to take those steps of faith. Build your relationship with him. I would say that the kinds of promises that you keep with a person is one of the defining factors of how close that relationship is. Moses kept the Passover in faith. Jesus has proven proven himself to us as faithful, hasn't he? You know, I'm not by any means a professional when it comes to marriage. I'm still learning. only been married three years. Um, I do know, know, however, that communication is one of the best ways for a successful marriage and sustaining a successful marriage. When my wife and I communicate, we understand each other more. And, and the stronger our relationship gets and the more we're, we're just, we want to do things for each other, you know, because we communicate. When, when our relationship is strong, Our trust of each other is so strong. I want to go back to to um, to last year and and uh, Pastor Hollis. Remember that he gave us that that little exercise to spend five minutes of silence. That is a great thing to do. Just just sit there, listen to God, build your relationship with you. Just start there, five minutes. And later on, you'll realize after that five minutes, I want to worship more. Pull out your guitar, pull out your notebook, pull out your sketching pad. Whatever you can do to worship, do that. And just build your relationship. It makes a difference.
church. If you want a reminder of Jesus Christ, just read the book of Hebrews on your own. Actually, I didn't really have to be here. You could just read Hebrews. (laughs) And it would tell you all of this and more. This book can counsel you. When you're in your deepest times, it points you to our faith. It points you to the perfecter of our faith. He's the one who died for us. He's the one who paid that sacrifice on the cross for us. He's the one who went ahead for us. Fear is real. I don't want to lighten that at all. Fear is real. God knows that. But fear doesn't have to stop us dead in our tracks. We can face our fears with faith in Christ the perfecter of our faith. Let me ask you, what do you fear now? A move? A change in jobs? For all you single people out there, it's not forever. I was married pretty late. God is faithful. What do you fear? Do you fear that your marriage won't last the way it's going right now? That's fear. It's fear of the unknown. Do you fear that your sin is overtaking you and you can't do anything to get out of it? That fear is real. But guess who else is real? Christ is real. Christ, the the author and the perfecter of our faith, he is real. We could trust in him. Look forward. Look beyond your current circumstances. This is not our home. I love last week's sermon. This is not our home. And if you look at the book of Hebrews, he's just talking all this like forward looking ahead language. Guys, this is not it. Whatever you're in right now, this is not it. Look forward, look forward. Have faith, look forward. There's something so much better than what you're going through right now. Don't make your home here. When we look down, when we look around us in this place, I think the collective fear in this place would scare anybody off. But you don't have to live by that fear. You can live by faith. Jesus Christ lovingly calls us to have faith in him. You know, I was thinking about, about this, this whole sermon, this whole like passage, and, and I, I just wanted to end in this. Um, if we look at uh, Hebrews chapter 12, looking at the, the first two verses, and this will end the message. Therefore, all those before, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, 
the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we know that you know our fears so well. That you know the very things in our lives that that bring us the the knee-shaking, trembling fear. You know these things. But some of us here may not know or need to be reminded that, that you are reaching out your hand and you want to take hold of us and you want us to fix our eyes on you. So God, we, we pray. We pray that you will help us face these fears with a faith in you. Let us look beyond our circumstances. Let us look over all of our troubles, let us look look to you, gaze into your eyes, look at the author and the perfecter of our faith. Let us run to you, let us come to you. Because Lord, we know that you're there with open arms. Jesus, so I pray that you will help us release these fears to you and let our faith grow. Let us see you as real. Let us see you as worthy. God, we pray for these things. Can we just take some time right now? Are you still closed? As as the praise team takes us out. What is on your heart right now? God wants that very thought. He wants that very fear. He wants that very thing that brings you so much pain and hurt. He wants the joys. He wants the gladness. He wants your success. He wants everything. Whatever's on your heart, just take a a few moments to lift it up to the Lord. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.